Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo, gamers, and welcome one and all to a recap of the grandest ball of them all. Here at the luxurious Sacred Icon Podcast, where we talk and walk Halo brute force and whack some discourse. And as such, this week we are here to recap all of our thoughts on all the fun announcements over these last couple of weeks. From the Stadia Plays, to the Xboxy Showcases, to the Capcoms, Final Fantasies, and more. Can you dig it? That's a Warriors reference, and you guys are old enough to get that. Uh, I'm your co-host, Butt Nugget and Booger Lips, Joshua Hargis, and join with me as always, whom I'd like to welcome to the stage, ladies and gentlemen, is my buddy, my pal, my friend, Mr. Bumper Sandwich, Brian Arvett. Brian. Bottoms up. And the devil laughs. Gives you something to think about. Gives me something to think about coming out on stage, but I don't announce the Gears collection. That didn't happen. That was a no-show. Well, Josh, you know what you know what makes that not seem so bad? What's that, Brian? Me asking you to hit me up with the sound already of someone coming up to you dead serious with their latest Darth Jar Jar theory. Dude, it sucks so bad because this literally happened at work last night. So, one of my coworkers, one of my coworkers sends he texts me. He's like, have you heard about this, like, Darth Jar Jar theories? Like, there's this big video your on YouTube. eyes rolled into the back of your head. And I was like, how do I, like, I hate this theory for you guys listening. I hate it. So, I was thinking, I was like, how do I respond to him? Because he's a good dude. How do I respond to him and not sound like, I, it, not carry my years of fatigue of that theory into that conversation? Because he just figured this out. This is fun to him. I'm like... I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a thing I've seen before, you know, and uh, I mean, I don't really agree with it, but, you know, it's there, it's it's interesting, and he's like, man, he's like, this is awesome, he's like, I hate that guy, it, I didn't even watch episodes two and three until 2012 because of that, and I was like, oh, really, and I was scratching my head, I was like, oh, man, that's... Like, I want to strangle you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but then at work last night... uh he mentions that because I, I told him I said Irwin Irwin loves to give me shit about that, and then him and Irwin were working around one another, and Irwin was uh, talking to him about. It. He's like, "Oh, so he now he's in on the the Jar Jar theory," and I was like, "Yeah, yep." And then he's like, "Well, you know what? I mean, it, there's a lot that points to it being true," and I was like, "I'm not, 
I'm Dude, not I've, jump, I'm not jumping onto that plane of existence, Erwin. You know, like, I've, so, I've seen all, I've seen all the stuff that points to those theories, and I, I don't think they're even that compelling or strong. And honestly, if we take away all the jokes and all the funniness away, yeah, and just get serious for a moment, if they actually implemented that into Star Wars canon, that would be ridiculously dumb. Like I would really, be. that'd be awful. I That's feel so like stupid. the odds of that happening are so low. But it could always pop. I would have said Easter that egg. before Rise of Skywalker, where it seems like they followed the Reddit <laughs> yeah. post. I wouldn't be surprised if it pops up as an Easter egg somewhere someday down the line. But I hope to God it doesn't. I just like Jar Jar deserves his time in the sun now. Like I said, like he comes back in like a uh, a spinoff animated series or something, and there's one part where Jar Jar looks at the camera and he's like, "Misa not evil." <laughs> <laughs> well, there was one episode they did in the, one of the last seasons of the Clone Wars where he literally has a hood over him. Or no, maybe that was an earlier one. But anyway. He kind of looked like he was a Jedi slash Sith Lord. Mm. So it's like they've already kind of like played with that. I hate that. I hate that shit so much. Yeah. Like you hate Jar Jar. You got to try to rationalize how he fits into everything. And then people are like, it's convincing, man. No, you just hate the character and you're exactly. trying to have fun. It's not but anyway, uh, we're going to we talk about. Yeah, we are going to talk about all the recent gaming announcements and news that we've had these past two weeks. There has been a crazy amount of of news that has come in. And I think for Brian and us, or Brian and I, I say it like I'm two people, uh, I think you're going to find that uh, there's like two or three things that got us genuinely excited in the rest. There's a lot of things, but things we care about, not so much. <laughs> super little, super few. Um, let's start talking about the showcase, because that was the biggest one. Uh, and we got our first look at Starfield gameplay. How did you feel about that, Brian? Um, okay, let me start that with was the positive one. angle. Positive angle? Uh, Starfield looked more or less like what I was hoping it would look like, a, a Bethesda game set in space. Um, it looked graphically good. I like the art style. I'm excited about playing a new epic Bethesda RPG, um, traveling planets. Um, even though I'm not big on crafting your ship and crafting bases, I think that'll probably be really good addition for people to have that. Um, I'm excited to get back into a Bethesda game with some awesome quest lines and stuff, and they can do some new things because it's set in it's a new setting, it's a new IP, you know. So, I mean, ultimately, my the TLDR walk away from the from my Starfield impressions is I'm excited. It looks good, and, I, and I'm ready for it. Like, bring it on. Um, if I was going to go into the cons real quick, I'd say two or three things. One, it did look like it was performing sub 30 frames per second. Yeah, I know. Which too. which was really like I'm not that big on like graphics and 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 frames per second type stuff, but it just didn't look like it was performing very well, which is concerning when you think they would at least fake it to make it when they're showing it off this early. You know, you think they would at least kind of put uh, their best F, their best foot forward here. So the best thing they put forward was, you know, the FPS being so far off. Um, and then um, the whole Thousand Planets thing. It's funny, Bethesda keeps doing this because, like, Bethesda likes to have these kind of catchphrases. Like, you see that mountain, you can go to that mountain, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> and, it's definitely another one. Yeah, and I kind of feel like, and I'm not saying it's fair, but it's just true. I kind of feel like it's biting them in the butt a bit because that helped draw the heaviest comparisons to No Man's Sky, which I, I think it's a little ridiculous. I get why people are comparing it to No Man's Sky because there is so many similarities, and No Man's Sky has been getting updated for so long, so it's just relevant. Um, but at the same time, like you play No Man's Sky and you play Oblivion or Fallout, they're very different experiences. Like You're going to get right. a very finely crafted set of characters and storylines. Um but uh, I think the Thousand Planets thing kind of bit him in the butt a bit because everyone pretty much knew those were going to be procedural, procedurally generated. And then, and then Todd Howard came out and was like, yeah, a bunch of them are. And then, and then even though 
people are taking this stuff the wrong way. He said there was like four major cities in the game. So people are like, oh, there's only... They crafted all these procedurally generated planets, but they could only make four cities. Well, four main cities. There's going to be a lot more cities and villages than that. And, and also, like, that's no small thing, really. You know, like, we don't know the scope of these cities. But, um, you know, I, I think... I think I read an interview. I don't know which one it was. I think I kind of got what they were going for. I think it was Todd Howard. It might have been someone else. They were saying that, like, you know, yeah, you're going to be in a solar system, and there might be a planet that's just ice. And you get there, and there's, like, no life, and pretty much the whole planet is just a mixture of ice and crystals, and, and there's not really much there. And that's the point, he said. The point is, to simulate, like, real space, there's going to be planets that would have no benefits. For instance... Like Mass Effect, there'd be a planet in Mass Effect where all you can do is mine from space. You can't actually land on it. And Todd Howard said what they want to do is always say yes to the player and let them land on an ice planet that has no life if they want to. Give them that option. to Because sometimes when you're playing a game, you're like, I just want to do this thing. You know, you right. want to break out of the boundaries in Halo because you want to see what's back there. You know it's not meant to be anything back there. You know it's not going to help you get a new weapon or or, 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 or pro progress the mission. Um, so I really get where they were going with it, and I think it is going to be pretty cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, that probably didn't help, the Thousand Planets thing. And then the last thing I'll say is somebody probably, I'm always pointing to Todd Howard. It's probably Todd Howard, but somebody said, like, yeah, um, you're not going to be able to fly your ship off the planet right into space like no right. sky. Yeah. And then they said something along the lines of, because it doesn't matter. And in my opinion, you know, even though... Honestly, that really doesn't have any bearing on my excitement for Starfield. I don't care about flying my plane or my my uh, ship right off the uh, surface into space. Yeah. But that is pretty freaking badass, and that's one of the first things that caught people's attention with No Man's Sky. Right. So I don't really know if it was smart to be dismissive of that because I think a lot of people would like to have that ability to take off the planet right into space. So ultimately, very good, very, mostly good show. I think most of the problems right now are just people being pessimistic gamers and being assholes. I think it's actually a pretty good showing, but there's a couple fair complaints. What do you think, Josh? I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of with you on that. I don't think they, they, they were necessarily being too dismissive of that. I think it's just a case of, like, you know, I, I played a little bit of No Man's Sky. Not much, but, like, after you do it, like, after you land on a planet, like, two or three times, you, you feel like you kind of, like, that sense of idea. awe and that coolness is, like, okay. I mean, it's cool. I don't know what... Like, if that would have been too hard of a thing to design or, like, get into the game. But I don't... It doesn't really ruin anything for me. I was going to ask you, though, like... You know, Todd said before, when they were designing this game, like, he's like, you know, you look at Skyrim, and it's like a 10-year-plus game. It's like a benchmark game. So we want the next title to be like that, too. Do you feel like that... Uh, all this a Thousand Planets type stuff and... You know, because that's going to be huge for the modding community, for yep. example, and stuff like that. And all this... How you can build all these... uh you know, stations and do all the ship customization, all the stuff that's going into that that's procedurally generated. Do you think a lot of that has to do with that? Like, do you think, almost not in a negative sense, but do you think that impacted their approach to the development of this? Was like, how do we make it a 10-year game? I 100% think that's what they did. I think that's yeah. exactly what they were going for because picture this, guys. This is actually really amazing. If And, and you know that Starfield's going to have mods on console and stuff because they brought mods on console to the other, the other mm -hmm. game now. Um, so Skyrim right now is what 11, almost 11 years old now, which is insane. Yeah. People are still playing it, still modding it. Picture if in 10, 11 years from now, you can enter Starfield and every single one of those 1000 planets 
is completely 100% fully developed to have quests, characters, monsters, enemies, populations, to where each planet bears the amount of things to do and the quality of something like Skyrim in its entirety. Yeah. That's just mind-boggling to think of. That's literally endless. There's endless reasons to play Starfield, you know, because not only could you do that, like have a mod to where, like for instance, you could have a mod team that just takes one planet and they work on it for years. Another mod team takes one planet and works on it for years. And then so these planets are like full games that you can just land on and travel to all between each other. But then also like... If eventually we've gotten that and all 1,000 planets have been modded, you can just have people start modding them again, like mod, like make a new planet and just swap it out right. and virtually just have endless things to do in this game. So I think it's really good. Yeah, I don't know. When I first heard the 1,000 planets thing, I immediately thought procedurally generated, which they confirmed. Yeah. And then I kind of got bummed because I thought I don't need that much like fluff, I hate to say. Because it's not. It depends yeah. on how you look at it. For some people, I know it's super exciting, but when I came out of that, I kind of felt like it looked rough, like real rough around the edges. And okay, that's what I want to ask you, Brian. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let's let's put on our tinfoil hats. I want to go into okay. conspiracy theory realm right now. I think I, I've seen a lot of people that just assume that it was Bethesda who pulled the plug on the release date, but I think it was Phil Spencer. What do you I'm thinking think? Thinking that too. Okay, because yeah, I think I agree with you. They had the tweet. For you guys listening, like a couple, like this was like not too long ago. I'd say within like the last two weeks, I think. I think Aaron Greenberg tweeted out that him and Phil, a couple Xbox people, had visited Bethesda, so they were there with everybody, Pete Hines and, and such. And it was like a day. Well, it was pretty much like a day or so after that that they announced the delay, and that was all before the showcase. Mm-hmm. Now. It's been confirmed that Todd Howard was the one who committed to that initial yeah. 11 11 22. Yep. And Jason Schreer has reported since then that, like, a lot of employees, when they saw that, balked at it and said, Oh, this is like a cyberpunk situation. Like, there's no way we can get the game done by that time. So I almost wonder if Xbox flew over there to basically get a look at, like, okay, what, what they're going to be showing for their showcase to get a look at it. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, Phil was like, oh, shit, <laughs> like, this kind of looks bad, yeah. or some aspect. I hate to do this, but we're going to have to do it. Because I feel like a lot of people thought it was Todd. So you think it's Phil, too? Yeah. No, I, I think I think it, I think think if this was uh, still third party and coming to all platforms, it would have came out this year. Super buggy, too. super messy. Bethesda has that like uh, reputation of releasing like games that are still in a buggy state to yeah. a charm for most people. See, and and I could go on a rant for hours about how stupid it is that people like to brag and argue about console exclusivity. Like, I know some of you listening will disagree, but I just think I'm... I'm just going to go there and say I think I'm objectively correct. I don't think... I think it's better for everyone to have the ability to play every game. I think that's always better. I think there is never any benefit to blocking a game off onto a platform. But the reason I say that... There's one benefit of Microsoft potentially of Microsoft owning Starfield and making it exclusive is we get a delay in a better game, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things that can come from it. I would still think that overall, for gamers as a whole, it'd probably be better if Starfield was on all platforms because then more people could play it and not have to buy new hardware. But because we are in a situation where it is exclusive, this could be very beneficial. You could have a better quality game. Um, so. It's yeah, I mean, I, the, the nice thing with Starfield, though, Josh, is like my hype for Starfield 
before it was shown off was like six maybe. Okay. And then after I saw it, it's like an eight. That's so good. It, I'm only I'm only more interested now. I think what was tough for me is I wanted to see like in a hub area, like the New Horizons or whatever it was that we we, we saw briefly. I wanted to see him briefly like walk around with the character and then go up and in, initiate a conversation and see like the dialogue like options. Yeah. I and they what, didn't really show that. I think what I wanted to see was like I don't I can't remember what it's called, but I remember they did like they showed off like a Skyrim show demo or whatever like mm-hmm. before the game came out and it was that i think it's called like the burrows or the borrows or something it's one of the first like quests in skyrim you like go and you you have to match up the little stones on the oh, door yeah to yeah match. the they ivory call claw or dragon claw yeah. Or whatever, yeah they basically showed off a quest being done with characters and, and, and progression yeah uh before skyrim came out so it gave you an idea for what you can expect they didn't do that with starfield and maybe it's because it's early and they're gonna do that still but like i would have loved for them to be like you know, your ship, you know, Todd Howard comes out, he's like, your ship is crashed down on a planet, and, you know, <laughs> you're surrounded by I'm these there. two creatures that, you, that you've that you never seen before, and they want to know if you've loc- if you've seen a dragon recently. So, you have to descend, in- descend into the, the lunar caves to find the if the eggs have hatched of the dragons of Minagog, you know? <laughs> like, that's what I wanted, like, put me there. Have you put ever me gotten Minagog from something, or is that just of your own... You arrived at that independently. I, I, it feels like I've arrived at that independently, but I wonder if I Google searched it, if I'd find it attached <laughs> or something. Oh, this is very Star Trek like. I love it. Uh, okay, I want to get you on your soapbox for something while we're on the Xbox topic. Because uh, I, I know we got a little bit more to say on Xbox stuff, guys. But we're going to kind of hop all around a bit. But okay, so it was in the extended showcase, and I think a little bit after that, I think between Pete Hines and Todd Howard, they said that. Uh, Elder, the next Elder Scrolls is in pre-production. Mm-hmm. So then once Starfield comes out, obviously, I mean, we all kind of knew this, but then they'll start full development on Elder Scrolls, and then after that, the next Fallout. Well, you got to imagine, and I could be wrong, it's 2022, Starfield's not coming out till 2023. you got to imagine that we're probably not looking at Elder, the next Elder Scrolls until maybe 2026, at the earliest, I'd say, 2027. Wow, I was not thinking, I was thinking 29. Okay, e- even better. Even better yeah. to my point, what I'm about to get to. So, if that's the case, then you gotta wait, who knows, even longer to get the Fallout, and then who knows even how long to get back to Starfield. So, Brian, do you think there's gonna be a point, my question is, that Microsoft comes in, because Microsoft, from what we understand, has come in with a hands-off policy. They don't want to kind of get their uh, hands in the kitchen. Do you think there's going to be some point where they have to hand off one of those franchises? Because it seems kind of ridiculous that we would have to wait almost 10 years before we get a new Fallout game that's not 76, get a new Elder Scrolls that's not ESO. You know, I mean, it seems like the jump is taking longer and longer to get, not just because of the pandemic, but because of how they want to approach these games with a benchmark, you know, style. Yeah. What do you think? What are your thoughts on all that? Well, I, I think... Um Ultimately, I think I would usually say there is no chance that they would give those oh, chance in hell. You th- those, give those franchises over to other studios. But I do see it being very likely to have Obsidian work on Fallout because those have some of the people that were there to create the original Fallouts, and the most revered Fallout game is New Vegas, which they created. So I could see them sharing Fallout. I don't see them sharing Elder Scrolls or Starfield since those are completely their their babies. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know. I think we're just gonna. I think it's just we're just gonna have to be used to long development times and these games taking forever. Because 
right now with COVID and working from home and like ta- like now talent is being taken all over the industry mm-hmm. because people can work from home. So you got somebody who was working, let's say somebody's working at a Ubisoft studio in Montreal. Yeah, uh, they're now able to get a job at Bungie because of remote. So now you're having studios like pull yep, some perks there, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I I think I think it's really I think it is like. I don't want to say that I was going to say bleak, but like, it's not bleak to me. I'm just like, I'm going to play the games I have now. I'm not, I don't live my life in a way where I'm counting 10 down 10 years till fallout five. It just seems weird to think like, but they have three big properties now, which are the, you know, Starfield, Elder Scrolls and fallout Mm -hmm. and that they're just going to pretty much, I mean, as far as we know, they're just going to take one after the other. That's such a long time. I mean, I mean, you're right. I just like, that's where I'm at is like. Do you go to Obsidian? And that was my first thought, and I thought the same thing. I thought Fallout, but then I thought they have like Pentiment coming out this year on Game Pass. There's another Game Pass game I'm forgetting that they have Garden coming out. Game on top grounded. of Outer Worlds two. Yeah, grounded, thank you. On top of Outer Worlds two, Avowed, I think one or two others maybe. Yeah. Like do they even have it in their wheelhouse to take in that? And even then, you know, I don't know the logistics uh, or or legalities of like does is Microsoft able to make that call where they can pluck fallout fully from them or like part-time and and is is bethesda even okay with that you know or- i guess as if they wanted to force the fallout to be made by someone else yeah. they could but they wouldn't do that without their consent because right. that's not going to be you're going to lose talent and cause frustration it would just seem yeah. weird it would just seem weird to sit on those properties when you have all these different studios. I'm not saying I want it to happen. It just seems weird that Bethesda being one of the biggest ones outside of Activision when that goes through, that you have these huge properties and you leave a couple of them just sitting. Well, what I, I what I would say normally is like maybe they could just create like a Bethesda North, Bethesda South, you know, oh, have new studios yeah, to work yeah. on that stuff. But the problem is, like I said, back to because of remote working and COVID and stuff. There's only such limited talent to pull from, and there's so many game studios. Yeah. Could they get enough talent to have? Could they really get enough talent to have a full-fledged Fallout Five and a full-fledged Elder Scrolls Six being worked on at the same time? I don't. That's a lot, you know. And, and to also maintain the Bethesda DNA through all that. Right. I mean, Microsoft can't even keep the the initiative studio staffed, you know. Yeah. So. No, it's and, and it looks like three four threes lost a lot of staff. Um, I don't know how Bungie's doing, but it seems like Bungie's constantly hiring and having people leave. So definitely seems know. like a revolving door in the gaming industry right now. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like maybe maybe you were maybe you were at a studio you loved and you had no problem with it, but then you find out you can remote monitor work from a state that's eighteen states over right. and make an extra five, six, seven, ten dollars an hour. Then then you might just be like, well, shit, if I can do this from home and make more money, I buy. You know? Yeah. Is it weird to think? Is it weird to think that your daughter will probably be able to like play? She'll be playing her own video games by the time Elder Scrolls comes out again. Is that is that kind of uh, weird to think about? Well, I mean, not only I mean, she'll be playing video games long before Elder Scrolls comes out. <laughs> sure, but I mean, like, she'll yeah. be like, she'll have her own friends. You know what I mean? She like, could actually, she'll be she'll be a fully fledged human, not just a baby. Like, that yeah, just if blows. she was a nerd, if she was a nerd, she yeah. could actually pre order and wait for Elder Scrolls Six. <laughs> she's not born yet. Hopefully it doesn't take that long. Jeez. Well, here's here's what I think. I think Elder Scrolls. I think Elder Scrolls is going to come out fall of 2029. Okay. Because because after Starfield comes out, that would be six years. I I don't think it's crazy to think that Elder Scrolls will take five or six years during COVID and with remote monitoring. You know. 
Yeah. No, I could see that. Maybe could, twenty. Maybe twenty-eight with more glitches and bugs. I'm saying twenty-six at the earliest, but I honestly, if I was a betting man, I'm gonna say Three twenty-seven. Years. I'm gonna say That's twenty-seven. Crazy. Yeah. Have they ever made a game in three? Uh, I guess maybe Morrowind to Oblivion. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, technically, you're right, but then you wish you start putting in all the fallouts in there too, and you have that as well. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. They went from Fallout Four, no, three in what two thousand eight to. Skyrim in 2011, but then... Okay, yeah. I, but I don't know. I don't... It, it, the whole approach... I wonder how much they can... Like, I wonder with all the... It seems at least, even though it's still the creation engine or whatever, yeah. it seems that they've... I don't know if I'm making this up, it is, or I actually read it somewhere, but it seems like Starfield featured... No, I think Todd said it at one point, featured a ton of upgrades to the engine. Mm. So if they're able to just... If they're able to cut, like, you know, a year or two of development out of Elder Scrolls Six by using what the work they put into Starfield. Yeah. That could be pretty awesome. Cuz like, well how about this? What if what if the next Elder Scrolls maybe we're not thinking outside the box. What if the next Elder Scrolls is literally every continent from that world? It's not just a new one. It's not Similar just Skyrim. Similar to ESO in that way. Yeah, it's like and instead of going to a thousand planets, it's like the entire world of Elder Scrolls is here and and cuz cuz remember uh, many different times Todd said we can't make we couldn't make Elder Scrolls now if we wanted. The technology's not there. He said that years before Starfield was announced. So maybe the work they're doing on Starfield, combined with the new systems like the Series X and the PS5, now is the time. Maybe Elder Scrolls is going to be like that, and maybe maybe their work with like procedural generation has gotten so much better. Yeah, I hope they don't do that, anything with that. Well, because there's one good point too that Todd made when I was reading is that he said you know people like to shudder at procedurally generated content, but he said procedural generation was in all of our prior games, Fallout. Skyrim, all those games. But people are picturing it like No Man's Sky, where it's like, here's a planet that was completely 100% created by a formula. But it sounds to me like from what I was... I wish I had like these articles on hand. It sounds to me like Todd said that they have been improving their procedural generation system. Mm -hmm. So to maybe we get to a point by Elder Scrolls... Maybe it's even in Starfield. But maybe we get to a point by Elder Scrolls where procedural generation is so good, you begin to think it's handcrafted. You know, like that could be a thing. Definitely possible. I, it just worries me with Elder Scrolls. Like in a lot of ways, I want, I'm want. i glad they're doing Starfield first in this gen because I feel like they can kind of iron out a lot of kinks before they go into developing yeah. uh, the next Elder Scrolls. But like, I don't I don't mind if they, I mean, if they do it big, awesome for Elder Scrolls. If they just do it in one setting like they've always done, that's fine too. Uh, I just, I don't like a whole lot of procedural generation because I'm more like, you know, the, the fun stuff about Skyrim is going into a cave finding a book and reading it and it was penned by somebody and it tells this story and it's like an invisible yeah. quest. And I loved that kind of stuff where I felt rewarded for exploration. It was like pre-designed. Whereas if you have this pre-generated thing, I don't know how that works with quest, you know, like in, in Starfield. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm assuming that you're probably not going to have too many of those planets where you go and meet random NPCs that give you quest lines because they'd have to, like, get the dialogue. They'd have to write that stuff, record well, what it. If, but what if they have procedural generation to make, like, let's say there's a random planet in Starfield where the procedural generation can assign a character mm -hmm. to a voice with a type of quest in a type of area, you know? Like, what if yeah. it's that deep? Definitely possible. You know? Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. Because wouldn't that be cool if like you just you're just some random planet they never intended you to do anything big on, and you land on the planet and like yeah you you go through a cave system and you come out of the cave system, and on the other side of the cave is like uh, the galaxy the 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 edge of the planet or something like that and then there's like a a big giant uh, 
like sci-fi dragon-like creature in the sky and and the dragon starts talking to you and all this stuff happens and then bethesda's like we didn't know that was in the game that's procedurally generated you know like Hmm. could be cool yeah that could be cool uh man i don't know i think i'm honestly i'm like you right now with how you feel about game development in a lot of ways like I don't need the scope to be that big with this game. I don't need it to be a 10-year game. And, like, look, some of these games, all these games that we replay are essentially 10-year games or whatever because we love them. Like, it's not... I I don't need someone to approach it with that intention to necessitate or to make it, to to, to foster that uh, want for me. I I just... If it's good, if it's fun, if it's bombastic, if it's open... If it's fun to explore, then yeah, I'm going to want to keep playing that for 10 years. You know, There's a reason why I still occasionally go and touch Oblivion and then Skyrim and stuff. Well, it's not because of all the miscellaneous quests. It's not because like there's all this crazy shit out there. It's just it's it's fun to play. I really do. I really do feel though like people's concerns are mostly unfounded because Todd Howard said that they they have they've handcrafted more air, way more areas, way more quests, characters, and dialogue than they've true. ever done in the history. Getting a good contrast here. I like this. Yeah, no, that's yeah, good. Yeah, that's a good point. So. But. Uh, no, I'm and with if you're you. Like, and, and I'm the kind of we're the two different type of gamers here, right? Because I want to be the type of gamer gamers. that I, that I play Starfield. I may put a hundred hours in Starfield, but I'm probably only going to do the setup quests and setup areas and missions. Like I'll, I'll dick around on a couple planets, but I'm mostly going to stick to stuff. You're going to be the kind of person, Josh, who's like, let me check out this planet. And for some reason, you spend twelve hours there, and then you when you come out of the planet, you're like. Damn it, man! Like I just spent twelve hours on a planet I didn't need to be on, but I can't help myself. Like that's gonna be you. I do want to see another deep dive of the game because I mean I I, do, I am someone typically in these games who kind of saves the main quest for near the end, or I chip away at it throughout my adventures, but I don't just kind of bulldoze through it. And Brian, like he says, the opposite. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, it's weird. Like I mean, again, it could just be the age talking, but like I just want a more um, refined experience that doesn't feel super bloated, but. Like you said, I want to choose to believe in them and that this isn't going to be a super bloated game and not not in, the, not in a bad way. Not like we've seen in like let's say Andromeda or Dragon Age Inquisition. So where was your hype before like seeing that. it? And then I would say my hype was probably at a seven, and then I came out of it a six. So okay, it's not to say to it's not to say I didn't like it. I just think it looked rough around the edges. But it's not. I mean, it clearly had a delay, and I think that was purposeful that they announced it beforehand because. After that came out, no one was talking about, oh, shit, and they j- they just show this, and then they show a new release date at the end of the trailer. People would have been pissed. People had a couple weeks to adjust to the delay, right? Yeah. So then that wasn't even a talking yep. point. So I, I just People would have asked for a delay if they hadn't have delayed it, because yeah. look at it. You know, It's not running very smoothly. Brian, what do you think about Redfall? I'm glad you brought that up, because even though, I, even though I'm not interested in that game, I thought we need to talk about it, because if we're speaking objectively, Redfall was another great showing for Microsoft. Another, um, you know, pseudo AAA arcane experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's co-op heavy. They've, they've come out and said you can play the game and have a great time without any co-op, which, you know, if I were to play the game, that's how I prefer it because I'm not usually sure. a big fan of co-op. Oh, it's great to have that option. But, um, but yeah, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really interested in it. I think I'm coming to a sad realization, um, which is crazy to me, that I might not be the type of uh, person to market arcane games towards and the reason that's sad for me is because how often have i told you over the years josh that i freaking love dishonored one like i've mm-hmm. told you so many times like freaking love dishonored i've told josh i'm like i think the best bioshock game is yeah dishonored. i remember what i, I, I mean, remember you 
calling it like what a I mean by that is like it feels kind of Bioshocky to me, but I like it more. Right. But see, I really didn't care for Dishonored two. I didn't care for Prey, and I have no interest in Redfall. So I'm thinking maybe they're not really the studio for me. I also couldn't really. I never gave it too much of a try. I really could never get into System Shock. So mm-hmm. um, maybe they're not the studio for me. But I think this will be a good title. I think it's probably going to be very helpful for Microsoft. I can see why people are excited for it. Um, you know, I always think of Elliot from our patron. Our yeah, big shout artists. out to Elliot because he loves all those games. He's a huge Arcane fan. I think right. Prey might be one of, if not his favorite game of yep. all time. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so yeah, I think it's. I think it looks great. I think it'll be great. I, I, I don't like. I'm not going to buy it. I don't have any interest in it. But uh, another great thing. Like I think. I think two of the strongest things at. Xbox Showcase was Redfall and Starfield. It was a good opening, kind of, you think, right? Like yeah, the way they opened it's a show. good opening and a good ending, but it just my thing was is the entire middle, I just did not give a rat's ass about. Yeah, tell us why. Tell us why. Indie, 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 indie. <laughs> and not the... Bah, 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 bah. We didn't get any in Indiana Jones. No, we just got nothing no. in indie time. Oh, me and Josh and I were so <laughs> off on our predictions. Almost nothing dude, was there. And that's because we were 99% wrong. We 99% so wrong. wrong, dude. And that's because, and I, I got to cover, I got to get on my soapbox here because Go I've seen it, people man. on Twitter that just piss me <laughs> off, right? Okay. So, so people were like, okay, so here's the defense for the people who love the show. They're like, oh, you just want CG trailers? Oh, you just want to see games that aren't going to come out forever? Like, at least they announced, you know, they said these were games that were coming out in the next 12 months. What do you expect? Okay, a couple things. First of all, they didn't tell us that these were going to be games coming out only in the next 12 months until the show started. At that point, it's too late to temper expectations. Josh just talked about how Starfield was delayed ahead of time to temper expectations. It was smart of them to say that ahead of time rather than show off Starfield, having people think they're about to play it in a couple months and then go, oh, it's coming June 2023. Mm -hmm. So it was not smart of them to tell everyone these games were coming in the next month at the beginning of the show because now your expectations are just, I mean, they had us build false expectations. And somebody told me like, on Twitter, they were like, thought it was ridiculous that I wanted to see Fable or Avowed or Hellblade. And I'm like, how is it ridiculous? We're talking about games that were announced or revealed two or three years ago. Yeah. It's within full expectation that this, at this point, a game they've already revealed years ago would be shown again. That's not crazy in any form. I don't care how much you say that's silly that I expected that. Like, no, that makes sense. And yeah, sure, if they've changed their strategy... And Xbox doesn't want to show things too early and doesn't want to show CG trailers anymore. That's a great mindset. I'm behind it. But the thing is, they're still going to have to deal with the problem that they were doing that up until this year, right? Like, really you've point. already showed me Fable. You've already showed me Avowed and Hellblade. Like, I'm going to be excited for them because you showed them to me years ago. So I think the disappointment was fair. Um, another thing that I get on my soapbox with is, you know, indie games are great, but there's some people out there who are su- have such a hard-on for defending indie games and I'm just like, stop. Like, you're not, I don't, I don't know what you're, what you're white knighting the indies for. Like, I like indie games. Josh likes indie games. I, I, I don't know how many Josh has beaten, but I've beaten at least half a dozen or a do, up to a dozen or so indie games. I've played more than that. You know, anything from, from Limbo to A Tale of Two Brothers and, and Minecraft when it was indies, to Super Meat Boy. I mean, indie, just tons of indie stuff. Um, I like indies, but to me, and I feel like a lot of people feel this way, but they're afraid to say it out loud. Like, they're not the same. They're not the same exciting experience as AAA games. Like, and that's not to say you can play a AAA game, play an indie game, and then it turns out the indie game you liked way more or you thought it was way better. That can totally happen. But I'm just saying, in general, when you talk to almost, if you take 100 people, mm-hmm. 
over 90 of them, their favorite game of all time is going to be AAA, and there's a reason for that. It's better. It's better. It, it's requi- it took more people and more talent and more time and more money, and you, not always, I understand that always, but you get a better product, right? Like, that makes sense. Like, me and Josh spending $100,000 over two years is not going to give you the same quality experience as Bethesda spending $50 million over five right. with uh, several hundred people. Like, it's... It's just, it's just like people think it's like um, it's not equivalent to like a rich person and a poor person where, you know, like, you know, like it would be rude if you said like, oh, that poor person doesn't have nice enough clothes. Well, they're poor. Like, it, like that's a dick thing to say. Right. It's not like that. Like, it's just common sense. More talent, more money, more time, more people. That's going to usually generate more money, in a more sense, problems, a better product. But but I I understand there could be something on the other side saying right now. But like Brian, have you played have you played Brink? You know, have you played you know insert other triple two worlds or something like yeah. insert other triple A game here that someone didn't like? Yeah, it doesn't always make for a better game. I know someone like Prey and uh, our, our mod Prey, he loves Hades, which is that's an indie game, mm-hmm. you know. And and I would think he'd say Hades is probably better than many triple A games. And that's sure. A, it's 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 a nuanced conversation. It's not uh it's, it's not, not black and black white. white. I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. But for me, yeah, that was the problem with the showcase. It was basically um triple A game at the beginning, indie, 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 um, talking about some additions to games that like for instance, um Halo's uh Pelican is gonna be in flight simulator. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's not a good addition or a cool thing or people are so easy to jump on your shit. Like, yeah, it's coming that's fine, it's coming to flight simulator, but like when people come to these shows, they expect, you know, big, exciting announcements. <laughs> I mean, the only ha- appearance from Halo was that a Pelican for Flight Simulator. And, and it's then like, a couple days later, uh, some skins for Fall Guys. Like, yeah. It's just, it's just not, like, understand your audience and understand how they're going to walk away from this. And it's just, the show was so dull and so boring. And even though they accomplished this, like, 12-month window thing with all these games releasing soon and all these Game Pass releases... For me personally, and, and you can have a different opinion, listener, like it's not, you're not wrong at all, but for me personally, it's like I walked away from this show with nothing new because I'd already seen Redfall. It's not my type of game. I'd already heard about and kind of know what Starfield is. It is my type of game. I was already there. Like I was already sold on it before they showed it. Sure. So virtually, I just spent an hour watching something with nothing I cared about. If you And, and I, I, I'm not a huge fan of CG trailers either, but... If there was like a, a two-minute story CG trailer for Fable in the middle, mm-hmm. or if there was like a, a, a really quick one-minute avowed gameplay, like that's the kind of stuff. Would you that have been fine if go, they showed like a quick cool. like one or two-minute like one of those like almost uh, you know how Bungie used to do their vid docs like a, something like yeah. that for like avowed or Fable? Would you have been fine? Oh with yeah, that? yeah, definitely. That that would have and that would have given me something to hang on to. Now I think ultimately you have something to think about, you know, doesn't it? Give you something to think about, uh, avowed uh, artwork <laughs> or something. <laughs> what were you going to say, though? Um, but I, I, mean, I think in a perfect world, you just don't show anything if you don't really have it. So, like, in a perfect world, I would just say, well, if all you had was Starfield, Redfield, or Starfield and Redfall and a couple indies, I would say make the showcase 30 minutes, open with four or five minutes of Redfall, show us a couple indies, and then give us 15 minutes of Starfield. Because then I'd go... You know, because if they set up this expectation, it's like, you know, you know how like Sony has a state of play, right? <clears throat> Let's say it's right. called State of Xbox, and Xbox is like, it's going to be a 25-minute show. We're going to reveal just a couple games, and, you know, set expectations. 25 minutes shows up, we get Redfall, a couple indies, close with Starfield. I'd be like, hey, 
that was cool, Josh. And we'd probably be rating that show pretty high, or, or at least higher, because we'd be like, they told us 25 minutes. They really only told us, you know, Red Falls, Starfield, a couple of things. Quality over quantity. Yeah, quality over quantity. This was just, you know, a, a show that just, it was just, it felt like a waste of my time. Now, that's my choice to use it there. but And I always feel bad because, you know, there's lots of people out there who are building these indie games mm-hmm. and, um, you know, are some who are excited for these indie games. But, like, I mean... Hey, we're adults here. We only got so much time. Right? I'm with I'm you. I mean, I pretty much you pretty much said everything. I, I I thought about it too. I mean, I felt like I felt like there were a lot of games in there that actually looked cool or promising. But the only one that honestly interested me personally outside of Starfield was that game High on Life, where you have like it comes out this year, and it's like you have uh, these talking guns. You know, they're like creatures oh, and stuff. Yeah. Made or, or it had a, like a Rick and Morty thing to it. And I was yeah. like, you know what? That looks kind of interesting. It's day one game pass. I thought, okay. But here's the thing. When Starfield got delayed, a bunch of people cried foul. And they were like, oh, time to cancel game pass. No games, blah, blah, blah. And there was all this hubbub. And I thought that was ridiculous. I thought game, game pass is a great value. If you have game pass ultimate, 15 bucks. And you basically have your own video rental store digitally. That's awesome. You also get little perks in here and there. You play on Xbox Live. You know, obviously, there's all this type of stuff that for 15 bucks, it's like, come on. I spend that much on fast food, and yep. it's it, I eat it, and it's gone. So a month for all that value, it's great. However, I told myself, I was like, you know what? I don't really use it too much. I do use it to try out games. There are a couple that it has sold me on because of that. But I'm not using that too much. I'm not playing too many games online. And the one I do typically play, Halo Infinite, is free to play. So I'm not. I don't need Game Pass for that. So I said, okay, I'm gonna wait till I see what they show. And if there's nothing really coming out that super excites me, I might cancel it for now, just to be financially, you know, in a good spot. Mm-hmm. So I did, and I canceled Game Pass. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's not to poo-poo on it. I thought like Brian, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff there. It's, it's going to interest a lot of people. And there's some of these games that turn out better than AAA games, but yeah, it well, didn't do it for see, me. I came out of it. I texted, I texted you after and I was like, man, you're right, dude. Like I should have just sat it out. I let like, I, I was, I didn't, I don't feel like I had high expectations, No, but I thought it was no. so reasonable to expect at least a minute of a vow gameplay or at least some kind of update on fable. And I just you think those games don't even exist after it, watching the literally show. the only thing I think we came out of that we were right on and we were but we both had two different predictions on this was that you said a uh, there was going to be a new Forza Motorsport announcement and there was which looked yeah. beautiful just not our game and then I said there was probably going to be a new Forza Horizon expansion and there was a Hot Wheels one other yeah. than that that was that was about it but. Uh, you know, it's not the poo-poo on Xbox, guys. I, I definitely am at a point Brian's been at for a while. And, uh, I mean, you can you can probably paint it in a better picture than I can, Brian. But, like, I love Xbox. I love everyone. You know, I love PlayStation. I love Nintendo. Um, I've been at Xbox a little bit more because of Halo, you know, all this time. But I'm getting tired of waiting. And I understand there was two years of the pandemic. So that I completely get. But... I I I feel like I'm I'm still having to hang in there, and it's like okay, um, are you going to show me a vow next year? At this point, do you think Brian will even see a vow next year? Do you think we'll even see a look at Fable? I, I don't think it's I don't think it's guaranteed. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah I, dude. Rough. At this point, like I I and this isn't like new, really. This is just what I've known in the back of my head for years. Like I'm I'm PlayStation first now. I really I really think I am. Yeah. You know because. 
I just I just enjoy what they do more. And that that doesn't make them better. That just that just for me it speaks to me Brian as a gamer more. Like let me, and, and and I just wish like people were more willing to have a nuanced conversation, right? Because like so the whole like cancel game pass thing, right? Here's a couple ways to look at it. The people who were all over Twitter saying I'm going to cancel Game Pass because there's basically no reason now because Starfield's not coming. Xbox has nothing. That's hyperbolic. That's ridiculous. There is plenty, as Josh said, there was plenty of value in Game Pass regardless of Starfield. You've got your, your gold membership in there. You've got a million games already there, a bunch more coming out. Like That's just asinine to say. If you're already in Game Pass, canceling over just Starfield, that, that seems really silly, right? Sure. Okay. But on the other hand... You know, removing yourself from the hyperbolic like social media stuff, it could make sense to cancel it. Josh canceled it because he's not really going to use it much more. And to further prove my point, I don't use Game Pass at all. Like I haven't been just I haven't been subscribed to Game Pass other than like a month for Gears of War Five, and then like a month to play Halo with Josh before Infinite came out. Mm -hmm. I don't use Game Pass. But and then, and then to go take it another step further, this year I've only purchased two games. Well, let me think about that. I purchased three games this year. I purchased Horizon Forbidden West, amazing AAA experience. I could only get on a Sony system. I bought um, Elden Ring, uh, which I could get on Xbox, but I got it on PlayStation. And even if I got it on Xbox, that's not covered with Game Pass. It's a, it's a third party title, mm-hmm. right? Elden Ring. And then I just bought. They released Ape Escape on the. Um, uh, PlayStation Store. Oh yeah. yeah. So everything I wanted to play this year, I could not obtain with Game Pass. So for me, you know, and this this is just a personal thing. Game Pass is not worth it to me. And people go, "Oh, Brian, but fifteen dollars, all these games." Yeah, but the thing is, I'm not going to play most of those games first out of choice, and then secondarily, there's a lot of games I wouldn't play on there because I simply don't have time. For instance, this week, like I bought Ape Escape this week. I have played it one hour. Since it came out on what Monday or t- Monday it came out Monday, mm-hmm. I played one hour, and I've played one hour because I have been busy with every minute I've had since then. It's literally not because I've chosen not to play. I've looked like I had family here, I had work, I had responsibilities. So, you know, between yeah, there's a lot of content on Game Pass, but like between my time and what I actually want to play, it's just not there for sure. me. I'm not gonna subscribe no, to Game Pass. Do probably. you think? Do you think Brian in high school would have just? been way more in love with game pass where you don't have the money as much so you could sink down oh, 15 and get yeah. all these options it's a great I, exactly yeah, it's a great value I, that's why i ask because i think like i think the younger me would have really liked it when they start releasing a bit more stuff that i'm interested in i'll be more i want to resubscribe like i didn't i didn't put out there i didn't go tweet like oh i canceled game pass because it wasn't because of any of that stuff mm-hmm. but i just like shredder's revenge i'm hearing amazing things about um, if I had four friends that were readily available or six or whatever the co-op limit is, I mean, I would be playing that. But, you know, it, I'm just wanting single player games that are game this, Josh. Yeah, go for it. What would you rather what would you rather play? You could only choose one of these two things. Um, would you rather play all the games that were announced at the Xbox showcase except for Starfield mm-hmm. for the rest of the year or just play The Last of Us remake? Last of Us remake. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and that doesn't make us like right or anything. That's just me and Josh's personal preference. Like, I see Last of Us remake, and I go, "Holy shit, I'm excited for another high quality experience from Sony." Yeah. Which we get those from Microsoft too. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just like, that's a game I'm stoked well, for. I would rather have that. That's the last game thing Pass. I'll say on on Game Pass. Um, but I, I there's it's been a couple years 
of Microsoft not having too many quality like AAA products outside of their burger fry shake combo of Halo, Gears, Forza. And yeah. that's not to dis dis uh dis, to discount those as well as discount other games like Psychonauts 2 that has come out and then, you know, scored brilliantly and stuff. But I just I, I saw all the indies that were there and they looked cool, but at the same time, I feel like I've had 2 years of this now. So I'm just I'm a fa- I'm fatigued on it. It's not to say what's there is objectively bad. It's not just subjectively. It's like okay, like I, that's awesome. You guys are still doing this and rounding out that portfolio with like like if it's a sports team, these are your bench players that come in. And some of these some of these games people end up liking more than the AAA games. But I'm just I'm thirsting on the Xbox side for those AAA experiences. It's not that I only yeah. want to play AAA games. It's that I've had a couple years where my only options have really been indie titles. So I'm over here saying, okay, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of the cake. I want to have the sandwich now. Where's the sandwich at? So I'm just, and I understand that's coming, but I'm getting, I'm just getting tired of waiting. So it was a little bit of a frustrating event, but at the same time, like you said, Brian, I think it was cool that they did put a focus more on the gameplay. It was great to see gameplay from all these games. That's my biggest takeaway. But Brian, before we get out of here, uh, a couple more things I want to bring up and I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, Dragon Age Dreaded Wolf, we got uh, the announcement on that. Excited for that. Um, Final Fantasy 16 we saw and Final Fantasy 7 remake, uh, Rebirth, I think it is, and then then also uh, the Crisis Core remaster, which looks more like a remake to me. But what are your thoughts on all those? Run me wild. Um, well, and then I'll throw in there too. I think it was a little bit beforehand, but we got the Resident Evil Four remake. Yeah, yeah. As well, yeah. Talk uh, about any of those. Then me up. Yeah. Then there's like the Dead Space remake. There's Callisto Protocol. Which Callisto Protocol looks super people. good. I'll say that. Like, yeah. There's there's other yeah. There's some other good stuff out there. Seeing um, that seeing that at the um at the uh, Summer Game Fest that sold me on that that I, like that's day one yeah. buy for me now. I'll be getting that for the Callisto Protocol. Yep. Yeah, I was pretty yeah, satisfied cool. with that. Yeah, it looks really good. I'll, there's a good chance I'll buy it. Um, well, I will save most of the conversation for... Josh and I are going to have a Final Fantasy VII episode, but uh, my most anticipated game, period, bar none right now, is the follow-up to Final Fantasy VII Remake, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Hell um, yeah. That that looks so exciting. Uh, I cannot wait what to hear that story. Banger of a showcase. God damn, it, that, that was the best showcase. That was the best one. They came out far. swinging and they hit yeah. a fucking dinger of a grand. When they floor. announced it on Twitter, they said, please be excited because they knew they had. That's what they say I, in Japan. I was and excited. I love that. I love that. Please yeah. look forward to this. Yeah. Please be excited. I'm like, yes, absolutely. 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 Um, and then, and then, and then like, okay, you know how every now and then you have like a, a crazy E3 dream you don't think will get fulfilled. You know, like back in the day, it was like Shem, Shemu 3, and then they announced yeah. Shemu 3, and people were like, holy shit. You Kickstarter. Or, or, or I remember thinking to myself, I want them to remaster the Crash Bandicoot games. So it'll never happen. And then it did. I got that again this year. I've been telling Erica for a year, for at least two years, I've been telling Erica, I just want them to remaster or re release Crisis Core on modern systems. But it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And then they announce it. It looks way more ambitious than I thought it would be, and it comes out this winter on all platforms. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. Crisis Core is And it's coming two. on Xbox, which is crazy yeah. because so they announced in that thing that Intergrade was going to come on Steam, which is now on Steam as of this yeah. recording, but it didn't say Xbox or anything. But then they said the second part of the remake is going to be, I think they just said PS5. Um, I could be wrong on that, but they didn't say Xbox. But then this Crisis Core is like everywhere. Yep. Which is awesome. now it makes me wonder. Uh, it makes me wonder because, man, we don't. Josh and I are aiming for. We're doing several episodes, so we're aiming <laughs> for an hour. Got to refuse ourselves. But, so I got to get this stuff out of my system <laughs> go fast. For it, but man, go for it. A couple things it makes me wonder. I'm like, okay, so so Rebirth is coming to PS5 only. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, 4 was only on PS4 and 5, but now it's on PC. And if you look at other PlayStation titles like God of War Horizon, they're on PS, they're on the PlayStation and they're also coming to PC. But then you look at Crisis Core, it's coming to Xbox and Switch and whatnot as well. So I'm wondering, one or two things are happening here, and I'm not sure which one it is. At first, I thought Sony paid for timed exclusivity on Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be on Xbox within a year. Well, several years went by. It's still not, there seems to be no sign of it coming onto Xbox. But Crisis Core is. So I'm wondering if maybe Sony is heavily funding the Final Fantasy remake series, you know, remake, rebirth, whatever they call the third one. It's going to be a trilogy now. Uh, Reunions, what I would guess, for the Mm -hmm. third one. Um, If Sony, like, is paying to make those, maybe the Final Fantasy remake trilogy is an indefinite PlayStation exclusive. If that's the case, holy shit, what a big W for them. Huge. Because that's like, to me, that's like, you take Spider-Man, God of War, Horizon, that's even bigger than those games for me. But once again, I'll say... I would love for them to come to Xbox. I think in a perfect world, everyone can play every game on every system. Like I don't, exclusivity is not something to be praised or, or, or joyful over. It's just taking it away from other people. Um, unless unless a game couldn't be made without being. A I player. like the competition aspect, but I mean, I, I'm still with yeah. you. Like if I if someone said, "Hey, we're leaving it up to you. Do you want to have Halo go on Switch?" I'd be like, "Yeah, hell yeah! Let the Switch people play Halo. Yeah, Let them absolutely, have it. absolutely." Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering because because if it is timed. Like I don't, that's crazy. Like I'm wondering what if it was a t- just a timed exclusive. You had to understand Sony's paying okay. to keep Final Fantasy four or Final Fantasy seven remake yeah. off the platform for like three plus years. Yeah, two but questions. On PC? Two questions, Brian. That's weird. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think if it does come to Xbox that they're gonna that it's not gonna be until after the third one is long out? And then my second question is, how do you feel about it being in three parts? They confirm that it's gonna be just three now. Three parts is mostly exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is you know. I'm not actually not trying to get into this, Josh. Um, <laughs> okay, me and Josh have a disagreement, but we're not going to discuss it. But, you know, I believe that the Final Fantasy Remake trilogy is a sequel to the original. Josh isn't quite sure. He thought it was more of just a remake of the original. But um, it's With not... some new twists, for sure. It's not really possible. It's, it's not really possible to tell the story of Final Fantasy VII in its entirety as it was from 25 years ago with three parts. It's not. It's just not. I mean, it's just not possible. So it seems to be, and then they also spoke in interviews about how things are going to be changed. So I think it's pretty clear that Final Fantasy one, two, and three of this trilogy are going to be—they're um, going to be changing things. They're going to be cutting things out, adding new things in. They're just not going to have all the same things that the original had. Um, but three, three parts is pretty much what I want. In a perfect world, I'd like two parts, mm-hmm. but they—they they just couldn't. I mean, they just couldn't do that, right? So three parts is pretty good. I would have been irritated with four or five, and I thought that was a possibility. So I did I'm think, to, uh, yeah, I thought so too. I was thinking uh, like six, maybe. <laughs> so I was to kinda, move on from that, and it it save more of that for the Final Fantasy stuff. Uh, Callisto Protocol looks really good. It looks basically exactly like Dead Space because it's made by the people who created Dead Space, mm-hmm. and it's funny because you got the Dead Space remaster, which is coming out as well by a different company. <laughs> you have this. I'll probably buy that as well because yeah. Dead Space was great. Um, Resident Evil 4, I, I think we might have touched on that a little bit in a previous podcast. I love, I adore Resident Evil 4. I think the original... What are you buying? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the original is so good and I don't think it needs a remake, but you better believe I'm going to buy it anyways, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, let's see, what else Dragon did we Age mention, Josh? Dragon Age Dreadwolf, uh, we've seen nothing on it, but I really came around to loving Inquisition. Inquisition became my favorite Dragon Age. I love that series. From so what Jess Corden was saying, or at least implying, yeah. from what he's heard, 
it's entirely possible it could. I'm not saying it will, but it could come out next year because it mm-hmm. sounds like that's what they've been aiming for internally. But again, that doesn't mean it's going to actually happen. Yeah. But I would love to see it at this point. I have to say I'm really, really excited. I feel like, well, let me ask you, Brian, do you feel like coming off, I mean, I loved Andromeda personally. I, I really did. Me too. It's one of my favorite Mass Effects, even though I realized it had a ton of flaws. But coming off the reception of that, coming off a lot of the reception of Inquisition, which there were a lot of criticisms, and it hasn't aged well in some ways. For some people, it's aged, you know, fine. But coming off that stuff, and then, you know, the failure of Anthem and all that stuff, do you feel like internally, if you had to guess, that Bioware really wants to, they really feel like they need to have a W with this game? I mean, yeah, Dragon Age 4 needs to be incredible, probably. And I don't know what you do with that, because the only Dragon Age that is universally considered to be incredible is Origins. And at this point, Origins is, is very old and archaic. You know, the the combat system, while loved by many fans... Like me. Um, like like Josh, it is it is understandably a, a tougher combat system for your general audience. It's daunting. It is. Um, it's and Inquisition slow. got closer to being a happy marriage between that stuff. Yeah. But so so it's like I don't know what to do with the combat, and then and then I don't know if they would have. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to stick to voicing your character, but you know, Origins didn't have a voice character; it had a silent character. And as long as uh, Dragon Age does not have side quests that just like zoom in on yeah. an NPC and they stand there like static characters and talk yeah, to you. That was both that Andromeda and Andromeda did that. And I hated it. If they can avoid that and get back to like the more yep. cinematic stuff, like the, uh, the other mass effects did the other dragon ages did. I'll be a happy boy, no matter what they do with this game. See on, on one hand, on one hand, I, I could see them trying to like look at origins, but my honest guess, if I had to put my chips down, my guess is, they're going to shoot to make something very much like Inquisition. Because if you remember, Inquisition sold well, was received well, and was game of the year. Yeah. So I think they're going to build off Inquisition. I think we're going to get something that plays more like Inquisition than anything else, for, for better or worse. For me, that's good, because that's my favorite. You know, okay, but. okay. Well, Brian, before we get out of here, I'm going to ask you one last thing. Okay. Um, so, seems like there's not a whole lot for us personally that is coming out this year that we're excited for. Maybe God of War Ragnarok. I know, more so Crisis for you. Crisis Core is my number one this year. And Crisis Core for me, for yeah. sure. Definitely on that list. But outside of that, there's not too, too much. At the moment, at the moment, seems like a lot of stuff is slipping into 2023. It's going to be a banger of a year, hopefully, for games. But in terms of backlog, since there's a little bit more time for that this year, it seems like, at the moment, is there anything in particular you're wanting to get to? That you're um, like, oh shit, I, now I got time. Well, there's, I mean, I don't know if it's backlog. A lot of it's just replaying, but more things that sure, I that have time too. for because uh, because our baby's arriving in September. Little but, River uh, Kate. Little River Kate. Um, but I'm playing Ape Escape right now that just re-released on the PS5. Hell yeah. Um, I would like to play through Buzz Lightyear. I don't know if I'd ever beat it, but I would like to download it. Infinity through. and uh, beyond. Toy Story 2 Buzz Lightyear the Rescue came on PS5. I'd like to play that. I'm currently in Kingdom Hearts 1. I'd like to finish that, play Kingdom Hearts 2. I'm currently in Halo 2. I'd like to finish that and play the rest of the Halos. <laughs> I really want to play I really want to play Infinite again. I, I'm just loving Infinite. Um I had some thoughts on some other Brian's games. Brian's got his earlier, feet in a lot of different pools right now. Yeah, it's, it's tough, fine. man. And yeah, but I, I I'm not having time for any of it now, and I don't the kids aren't even here yet. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have plenty of stuff to play. I will move everything I possibly can to the side for Crisis Core. Well, this works for you, though, in a way, because, you know, it's like there's not much coming out this year, and, yeah, it seems like there's going to be a lot coming out next year, but at the same time, you're going to get to a point where it's like, going to be more like quality over quantity. 
And you know yeah. those those replayable experiences are the ones you're going to cherish because you're going to sometimes that's the safe thing to go back to, and that's not always a bad thing. You know, if you only yeah. got so much time to play, you want to play something you know you're going to have fun with. So, no, dude, I I, you know what I would love to do? It's probably not going to happen, but because the Last of Us Part One comes out the same week that we shit. I keep have. blinking on that, and we just talked about it. Yeah, yeah, it's that Last Crisis was, Core for me, which are the big bangers. Last of Us Part One comes out the week that River arrives, that our baby girl arrives. Okay, so there virtually would be. No time that I can spend playing a video game, understandably. Mm-hmm. But I'm imagining how much more I'm going to love that story when I have a daughter. Yeah, oh, you know what sure. I mean. Like, for sure. And if I if I get to experience that remake with all the new quality of life features, and it'll only be the second time I've ever played part one. I've only beat part one once, and then I have a daughter too. I'm like, am I going to cry? Am I going to cry oh, during yeah, this game? Like, I want to play it. So. It's amazing how much people slam that because people were like, I don't think this needs it. Which, you, I mean, you said to be fair, so I'm not I throwing you in that lot. But, but yeah. then they showed out the comparison screenshots, and it does look substantial. Well, that's the thing is, it's weird, right? Because, like, we always go back and forth between what's a remaster, what's a remake. You know, like, the Crisis Core is called a remaster, but Josh was like, kind of seems like a remake. It does. I mean, but coming up from lines, a PSP game, is like, what? The lines are getting so blurred, right? Because, like, if you take... If you take any of the like PS3 collections, like Sly Cooper collection, mm-hmm. God of War collection, Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank collection, all of those games were literally the exact same game, upscaled to 1080p, better frames, and put on a disc. That's sure. what those were. So that's like clearly remaster. Then you get the lines blurring a little bit. You get something like Halo Anniversary. Okay, well, it's the same game running the same engine, but they literally redid the entirety of the look and sound of the game, so it kind of feels like a quasi-remake. Then you get to like Last of Us, and you're like, okay, Last of Us Part One, it looks exactly the same, mm-hmm. but all the faces are like different mocapped, and like the gameplay's different, and they've added new weapons, yeah. and like the environments are increased, and it's like, okay, there's literally things in the game now that weren't there before, but it also feels the same. So the lines are just kind of getting blurred. To I think point. at this point, point, I think at this point, if someone says remaster. When it's actually a remake or a remake when it's actually a remaster, just give them a break. You're right. It's a good you know? <laughs> point because you know what? A lot of times now with uh, like we saw a bunch of uh, 360 and OG Xbox games get the uh, what was it the 60 frames a second you know boost and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and like that in of itself feels like a remaster at this point. You know, yeah. it's not oh, like yeah. a huge. I mean, most of those remasters we got in the early Xbox One PS4 era was literally just like. FPS boosts, you know, or like yep. HDR enabled experiences, and the graphics were just maybe just incrementally better. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it feels like now. So, yeah, you make a good point with that. Uh, this is a bad point to end on, but I, I am actually glad that there was no Gears collection because you know I didn't want it, you know. And I don't say that to hate because, like, I know some. Was there anything else me, outside of the, you know, Avowed and Fable that you were kind of bummed you didn't hear about? Uh, it probably was. I'm trying to think of what it would be. What else did we think might occur there? I knew we I knew uh, well, we'd seen we no didn't Halo. talk about it on there, but there it's the Goldeneye shit seemed like it was. Oh yeah, shit we thought the happen. Goldeneye stuff would come. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was just it was just. I, I will say I think we should make a closing statement here, Josh. Sure. The uh, you know the the showcase was a disappointment for us. Josh and I put on Twitter. We both gave the showcase a three out of ten, and some people on Twitter were like. You're wrong. That's impossible. You just assume and you're like being a super negative person when you. Yeah, and I'm in. like, I get it, but like, come on. And then some people are like, "That's your opinion," and I, I responded. <laughs> I'm like, I responded. I'm like, yeah, it is. Nobody's arguing that. And like, we're not saying that it was objectively a three out of ten. We're Duh. saying for us, for us, it was a three out of ten experience. It wasn't that great. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it you know what? I'll say weird. this. I mean, yeah. To end it on a high note, I mean, shit. I feel the same way. You know, I, overall. I was pretty underwhelmed. I thought 
the state of play that revealed the Final Fantasy stuff was a banger. There was Dragon's Dogma 2 we didn't yep. mention. Brian and I don't play that. Oh, yeah. But that's, I mean, super happy for the people that are excited. Sony always delivers. Xbox, Xbox got Persona, which is probably a, that's a that's huge good. get. Yeah, that was awesome. That's huge. That awesome. I mean, tons of stuff that came out of that. But the, I think the state of play and I think uh, this Final Fantasy celebration were the absolute bangers of this year's yep. kind of E3, if you will. But there yep. was still a lot of good sprinkled throughout, a lot of promising stuff. 2023 is just shaping up to seem like a huge year. And I even think, though I know yeah. the whole, like, I got to wait kind of sucks, it's still exciting, though. It's nice to see what people have been cooking because it felt like a while. Because, man, 2022 came out blasting with Elden Ring and Horizon and some of the other stuff that was coming out. And then it Dying just Light a, two. Dying, yeah, and then it just it dried out. Yeah. And, and it became like a dry fart. And, you know, now there's not much to look forward to, but it was great to get updates and it was great to see a lot of stuff because I will play that high on life day one. It doesn't mean I'm going to fall in love with it. I might only play it an hour, but you know what? My backlog is so big and I, I mean, I got a little more time than Brian does to do some of this stuff, but I still don't have a lot of time myself. I'm single dude and I work full time, but I mean, I just, I, I still don't have time. So what I got is still plenty enough. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm not starved for games and I know people want new experiences, but those are coming. I hate to say that. I hate to die on that hill, but like, I, I can wait. I Josh, can- if someone said like, I really love this showcase. I'm playing most of these games. I'm so excited. I love the gameplay. Nine out of ten. Would you see where they're coming from, or are you just like definitely? No, definitely. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, I would too. Absolutely. No, I mean there was they showed off gameplay, and that was the most gameplay we've seen from Microsoft in a long time. Probably a good showcase for some, but just for me and Josh, it just didn't deliver. I mean, to be fair, I think objectively, it was their best one that they've done in the last probably three years, but it was, Mm. you know, each time I've come out... Hard for me to say on that. Each time I've come out of a showcase, I guess my... I I always want the shotgun blast of announcements. I always want that type of experience, and I feel like that's what I get in the state of plays. That's what I get in the the Final Fantasy thing there. And, I mean, again, there was a Capcom one. There was some cool stuff. The Summer Game Fest, there was some cool stuff. But you get those short ones, and they shotgun blast all that info out, and it's all bangers. And I'm not not saying bangers constitutes as a triple experience, but it's all exciting stuff. But then with Xbox, it's like here's a lot of, like, seasoning, but you're not even really getting, like, any course meals. And that's not bad. That's not bad because they did, I mean, like, Brian made such a good point. You made such a good point, dude. You're like, you know... Didn't say they did say yes. These are things that are coming in the next twelve months, so you can look forward to this stuff, playing it relatively soon. But they didn't say that until the beginning of the show, so they didn't really have that. You know, the expectations no were gone by that point. You're just like, oh, okay, well, cool, and you start off with Redfall, banger, sure, but then the rest of it slows down, and then it gets to a middle point where it really starts to drag, and then it starts to pick up a little bit again. But then you're looking at the time, and you're like, oh, there's only so much time left. Are they going to show anything else outside of Starfield? Because you know Starfields, they're saving like the last 15, 20 minutes for that. So I was bummed by that. I would like, honestly, I'd like to see one more like hour long or 90 minute showcase from Xbox next year just to see if they're really going to show these big AAA games finally that have been kind of sitting there. Because eventually they got to show this stuff. Like they can't, I, I, I'm not saying that they're keeping these games at gunpoint. But like eventually, you just have to show these games. You, you you can't keep them under wraps anymore, and people know that they're coming. And you've announced this stuff for ye- like years ago. But I can wait after this year or after the next year if they don't really come out swinging and it's not a banger of a showcase. I think my opinion will change, and I'm just gonna say, please just do like a 20 30 minute thing. See, 
I gotta say, Josh, I, I I'm sorry, I went on the soapbox there, but go. No, ahead. The, I actually I completely disagree with you on the last three years thing because I I think the last two years were far better, and just for me personally. And I know there's probably some people out there pulling their hair out, but you got last year they had like uh, some some Hellblade two gameplay. They had Halo Infinite with its new multiplayer gameplay. I, I was really interested in last year's show, and then the show before that when they first unveiled Halo Infinite. I know people didn't like the graphics, but I would, that was super cool to see Halo Infinite showing off for the first time. You got to see Fable's announcement. You got to see avowed footage for the first time. The last two years for me were way better than this. Yeah, and that's just where based it's on what I want. A whole different thing to unpack for me. But like to play devil's advocate, I hate CG trailers. The fact oh, that they too. announced it that they showed off avowed and Fable. Like made Avowed me had feel like I had a reasonable right? a expectation bit. two years later to to expect to maybe yeah. see gameplay, but outside of the Halo Infinite gameplay reveal, that was literally I think the only gameplay we got in 2020 showcase. Yeah. Last year, I do think that was good, but I just didn't care for it myself because I feel like what I saw mostly was Halo Infinite multiplayer, which I liked, but like I expected that there was nothing else that came out of it yeah. that surprised me. They showed off Forza, but Forza again is that burger fry shake combo, and I'm just. I just want, I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I like sequel stuff. I like continuations of these franchises, but it honestly feels like if you go back to the 360 era, I remember when they were showing off the connect and initially, like, I remember watching that showcase and I was like, this seems pretty cool. I'm excited for it because it felt in addition, like they had already had a, like such a steady, a sturdy, like palette of content of games that had come out. I didn't think that like we were starting to go on some kind of game decline where we were going to start yeah. to like really minimize no our exclusivity, <laughs> but that's what was happening. But like, I'm at a point where I just want to see like new IPs and I know they're coming, but it's like, damn, I really thought it was going to be this year that we were going to see some of that stuff. And it, it didn't happen, but I, I got to give them one more year in the tank. And then after that, I think then I'll, then I might skedaddle on watching those things live but uh i didn't mean to ramble on that soapbox i'm just excited though it's great i know i said this in the last one but the list the last thing i'll say i'll send it to you brian and you can get your stuff out and take us out but i love this time of season it gets me super passionate about games i love video games i love replaying my old games i love experiencing new games i love having things to look forward to on the horizon i just love playing video games man this shit is so much fun and i have so many fun memories with these things and it's just great in this pandemic era that we're still kind of in to get updates on this stuff. I think that's just fun. It's nice to be able to have things to look forward to, even though I could probably live on a desert Island with all the games I have bought already. So I just, I'm happy, happy to see updates on these things and can't wait to play crisis core. <laughs> yeah. It's still been, it's still been exciting. And ultimately like the truth be told every year of my life, the, the only thing I really ever need from E three is one game coming out soon. Yeah. Blows yeah, my yeah, mind. Yeah. And we got that in the sense, for me, it's mostly Rebirth, but like Crisis Core is like a part of that. And it's, yeah, it's for sure. Part of that, for sure. those games. So, so I get Crisis Core this year, and I can look forward to Rebirth in a year and a half. So I'm ultimately just I got the game I wanted this year, so I'm happy. That, I mean, that's what we said beforehand on the pod. I told Josh like that's the game I want the most. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that's coming made me happy. But guys, we went longer than normal, like we always. This do. could have been honestly, if we had all the time in the world. This would have been a four-hour oh. episode, and every one oh, of these rants, hours. every one of these rants would have been a, an hour soapbox, oh, yeah. probably. <laughs> oh yeah. And pe- people at work right now are like, "Guys, just keep just going, going, please, <laughs> God, don't stop, no." Give me the Michael Scott, no, God, please, no, no. don't quit. 
Um, but guys, we're going to get out of here. As you know, you can go to patreon.com slash sacred icon. If you want to support us financially for as low as a dollar, you can be mentioned on the podcast. We'll shout you out all the way up to potentially being on the podcast. Check out those tiers. If you want to follow Josh on Twitter, he is at Jedi Knight Joshy. If you want to follow me, I'm at Brian's Bane on Twitter. And if you want to follow Sacred Icon, we're at Sacred Icon Pod. Go leave an email or a voice clip with your thoughts at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. Come join the Discord. Chat with us. Me and Josh are there all the time. It's a good time. Guys, we love you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast. And as always, keep it sacred.